my spy <laughs> is my ally. Lovely little chap called Ty. All right, boy. That's been a week's work. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about that five minutes ago, and it, I've just executed it to the finest degree. How you doing? You okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, with that introduction, how can I be anything other than... I've had some communicate tonight with a close friend. He's, he's not very close. Oh, right. um, I, I, I don't really care for him, but he won't listen to this, so it's fine. And he was just talking to okay. me about how he's completely listless when it comes to football. And um, yeah, really? and he he um, he says, and and I don't think there's a bigger damnation of of the game in the view of his COVID riddled eyes than to say he treats it with the same regard as he does internationals. Oh, yeah. Now you you really don't like internationals, do you? I I can't I can't stand it. I can't stand it. I I obviously like hazy summers. Cider fueled orgies on the front lawn, <laughs> um, <laughs> with the sun beaming down and, and burning me back as I'm bent over a huddled mass. Oh. Um, but but I, I love all that. I love all that. Some of my finest memories of football. That's why as, you have to as, move every year, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. The neighbours won't put up with it. It's, it's mostly because they're not invited. Um, but it's it's some of my finest memories of football as, as a youngster are summer tournaments and whatever. But. Oh, and I'm a Scotland supporter, and I tell you what, I tell you what, a Scotland supporter. This has been, this has been, COVID has been a real shot in the arm for Scotland <laughs> when it comes to both <laughs> football and rugby. Um, you know, obviously doing fantastic in the football and, and beating England at rugby at the weekend. But um, yeah, you know, it's um, I, I find them pointless mid-season. I think they're a waste of time, and I genuinely, even when it comes to some teams that I don't really have time for, I do feel sorry for when you see the, the players pull up with hamstring this, that, and the other after they've been playing. You know, they've played uh, a, a Saturday, a Tuesday, a Friday, mm. and they go off to international duty. They get played out of position, and yep. um, and they want to impress because they've been wanting to be in England international or whatever international since they were like 11 years old and they pull up short and then they have three weeks off because they've got a bad knee or a bad hip or whatever. And I just think it's complete waste of everyone's time. Are we in a perverse situation where the club game is more successful, more highly um, contested than the international game? Sorry, I was just drinking my tea. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you know, it's this level of professionalism <laughs> that that people tune in for week after week. Sorry, no, week. Um, are you still drinking your tea? I was just. Burping, do you want me to actually. give you a moment? <laughs> um, do, you want, do you want me to just monologue for a little bit? Um, um, are we are we in this perverse situation where we're actually like, if you look at international football? Is the quality lower than that of the top divisions? You know, w- would the top international side be able to beat you know the top club sides in the world? I think we are on the precipice of where the international game is has been relegated to a point where I think you're going to start seeing top players say, "I'm not playing in the next fortnight for England." That's controversial. I think I think it will happen. They already do it, don't they? In some ways, by, yeah, by claiming an injury yeah, here yeah. and there. But, oh yeah, no, yeah. yeah, it's it's all it's all um, yeah, uh, smoke and mirrors at the minute. But they, I think soon you'll have, especially if you have someone like imagine Kane going off to Real Madrid for 175 million or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and Real Madrid are playing Barcelona at the, at the weekend, and 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 then Spain are playing bloody fair. Uh, sorry, England are playing the Faroe Islands. Uh, and and Kane has to play up front, and I think what you'll find is you won't you won't see them hiding behind. Always oh, got a bit of a tight thigh. I think he will say, um, "Not this time, lads. Play play a twenty year old or whatever." Yeah, I, th- I think that who, will happen. Who then will score four goals for England and against also, like Ferrines or San yeah. Marino? Yeah, and I think you know when you have as uninspiring a manager as Southgate, um, it, 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 players. They won't. It's not that they won't want to play for them, but they're just not excited by it. You know what? Like, I think it leads. This leads me on to to having a big think about all sorts of things, really. But really, <laughs> looking at FA Cup and yeah, the yeah. League Cup, yeah. and the the obviously the international tournaments as mm. well. Mm. Have we become sort of league centric? And and I think it's undoubted that the League Cup has lost some of its um, merit. Oh, yeah. It's good. I, I tell you what. In uh, within the next ten years, it will be called the Monster EAL Cup. 
yeah, or yeah. some <laughs> insert some awful brand. Um, but but actually, the FA Cup, which is it'll be those uh, what is it called? Uh, you know where people piss themselves? Those pads that they wear in their pants, <laughs> maxi pads, maxi pad cup. Yeah, is it maxi pad? Yeah, is it, it'll be yeah, it'll be um, it'll, the maxi and it'll pad, just be like maxi pad trophy. You just see, and it'll be on Channel Five, obviously. Um, and it'll be like the maxi pad final on Channel Five, and it'll just <laughs> and it'll be like the Super Bowl where it comes off at half at half time, and it'll be like, do you piss yourself on the train? <laughs> If you do, there's you don't need no embarrassment no longer. Um, yeah, sneeze with freedom, and it would just it would just it would just have um, the player of the day. It'll have Foden at thirty three, just with a loaded nappy. <laughs> um, but it, <laughs> um, I quite like that image. But the, um, the 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 thing for me, like ultimately, that that hurts the most is the FA Cup, yeah, because. The FA Cup yeah. has has held for for generations mm. a a real special place in all of our hearts. I, I've got to say it's diminishing in yeah. terms of to the point where you know clubs are now using the FA Cup to blood their youngsters more so than they ever have done. If and, you got and, knocked out of the FA Cup like ten years ago, fifteen years ago, twenty years ago to a, to an inferior team, and when I say inferior team, I mean a team that's halfway. Down the yeah. league from where you are, yeah. there'd be an inquiry. There'd be yeah. our club is uh, got a you know bit of a cloud over it at the minute. Now mm. it's like right, well, what's the next league fixture? That's yeah. more important. Three points are more important. Yeah, exactly. It's like and and, and I guess the unless you're Karen Carney who thinks that. <sighs> that who thinks that you get three points when you when you win in the cup. <laughs> <laughs> now come on, what? come on. We don't want to incite anything else. Don't want you to be impeached as well. But well, um, <laughs> oh, political. No, no. Oh. This is this isn't. Yeah, thanks. Uh, this isn't a feminist issue. She's just a terrible commentator, and I don't care yeah, yeah. what when it was. Yeah, yeah, Karen. yeah, yeah. There are lots of them. Gabriel Abonglahor is another one, isn't he? Who who is I, I put in the same category as her. You know what um, he looks like. <laughs> he can't see. He looks like he's just had a slap. He has this kind <laughs> of like the bottom half of his face is very inactive. And he constantly looks like he's just had a huge slap. I remember once I got an enormous slap and I thought it was very similar to when you leave the dentist. And you Who's slapping head. you? Listen, bucket of sand, nightclub, two women of the night. Let's leave it at that. Um, <laughs> um, but um, but no, and, and you just lose the ability to, to use the bottom of your jaw. That's what he's like. And when he sits in those talk shite chairs, like kind of like lounging like a student, like talking like he's just proven the existence of God, it, it just makes me laugh. But anyway, that's by the by. That's my that's my yeah. that's my a two bucket, cents. A bucket of sand. <laughs> leave it. All right, all right, I'll leave it. I'll leave it. You 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 left towels last week, so that was okay. Yeah. Um, so you know what what I what I think is is actually I think we need to campaign to get. Um, to get the cup competitions back again and and to have that sort of that fever pitch that that desire to to win that cup you know oh it, i miss that the thing is our team our, our team our team is out of the FA cup at the moment mm, mm-hmm. and i don't think either of either of us shed a tear I and, and that to me I'm in, yeah. I, I, can't, I i just want them to be in a um a, i want a, to be a within position in the league yeah, within at the top of their mini league within the league, which is depressing yeah. to say, but yeah, that's yeah. just the truth. Um, the other thing as well is that the real, the real um, kind of flaw in the whole thing is that you would, if you were looking at the English game from outside, you would think that the the quality of the teams was getting closer together, when in fact mm. it's just the investment of that the teams yeah. are making, yeah. uh, and so you'd think that. You know your your League Two or League One teams um, are, are, are not that far away from Championship teams, or or even not that far from the bottom of the um, of the Premiership, and that's just not true. It's, it couldn't be further from the truth, in fact. No, agreed. Um, so before we before we jump into um, Used Part Two, um, yeah, and, and yeah, sort yeah. of uh, asking Exciting. asking Used a few more questions. Um, oh yeah, I think it's, it'd be worthwhile casting our eye over just quickly. Um, the Premier League table, but before that, I've got some mm. quite exciting news for our podcast going forward. <laughs> Come on, is this news to me? <laughs> I, th- I think it may well be. This probably yeah. isn't the best forum to announce it, 
But um, uh, one of the things that, that I've, I've been quite keen on is having a bit of a lower league focus as well. Because mm. I think... Now we've just slagged <sighs> them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those tiny clubs down there. Yeah, um, yeah. But, no, I, lo- um, I love the lower leagues. I love the lower leagues. Um, I, I've, I've taken great care over the years to always kind of semi-adopt yeah. um, a, a, a team... Your local keep my side. Own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or the very least, um, where I'm living at that moment, just having yeah. a having a gander type thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's like team, teams like Arsenal and, and that sort of thing who need that extra <laughs> bit of support. Tiny, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but um, a good friend of mine, Fran, is yeah. he's got a. I'd describe it as a, a fastidious, factual database of a mind when it comes to the lower league, um, and the lower leagues, and um, he's actually also. Um, visited a lot of their grounds. Would spend before obviously COVID most of his Saturdays finding you know different. I, I hesitate to use the word stadiums, but um, different Praying on the local women. Play, like that. You, you, <laughs> certainly not. No, okay. Um, you got to be. You got to be nice to him. Go on. Um, yeah, but right. he's going to be. He's going to be doing a feature for us where All he's right, going to um, help us get to know some of these local um, lower league clubs. Mm. And and hopefully boost their following a little bit um, by you know people that listening in might want to begin checking in on them. So it'll be a focus each week. I think that's going to be quite exciting. However, there is still action that goes on at the top of the table, and and yeah. and the Premiership is looking and beginning to look a little bit more familiar, isn't it? Mm. With Man City Absolutely. sat right at the top. Do you think that little cushion that they've got now is is enough to see them through? Have you seen the interviews with Klopp this week? Tell me what. Tell me. Tell me who Outrageous. he's blamed. Tell me who he's blamed now. So there was a a uh, for want of a better phrase, uh, foreign reporter. I don't know where. I, I couldn't tell what the accent was. Um, I think it was it was Middle Eastern, but I'm not well, sure. Well, he's 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 foreign to us, but we're probably foreign to him. What a lovely philosophical point. Hmm. So this foreign bloke was talking yeah. all this jazz. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, um, so jazz. he was asking him. Apparently, yeah. like it was one of those fourth wall kind of like breaking things where yeah. um, Klopp called him out, kind of, and said, "You've got you had two questions and you've just ruined it. You ruined your second one." Because the guy said, "Do you think that you're just going to be chasing top four now? Um, and have you dismissed um, the idea of winning the title?" Yeah. And he kind of laughed and said. And I, I, I'm going to quote, this is about 90% accurate. He says, I'm not going to do the accent. It would just turn into, like, gay Hitler or something. Um, <laughs> but um, it Which will, is where um, all your accents go. Yeah, they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um, and uh, he said, um, do you think that's appropriate to talk about right now? And it was on the back, it was the interview after they lost to, um, to uh, Man City. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the guy just said, oh, uh, oh what, what do you mean? He said that isn't appropriate right now. He's, and he said, you need to be doing some more research before you come and ask these questions because you had two questions and you just ruined one. And then he said, oh, and then the guy kind of butted in again and said, oh, um, okay, so are you fighting for top four now? And he said, I think that's fairly obvious, don't you? And <laughs> walked away. Oh. So he, he's gone from being one of the most liked managers from an, like an objective point of view, I think, to I've seen some really scathing kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> reports about how he's just turned into a bit of a whining idiot, to be honest. But, but do you think... Look, you, you and I, we, we spent our first episode talking about Fat Frank and the way he used to mm. whine to the media. Do you think this is also a bit of a symptom of the fact that contractually, if you are a Premiership manager, you have to, rain or shine, no matter how you're feeling, no matter how your team's doing, no matter how much your job is on the line... Mm. And we're not talking about people who it's like, I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage because these guys have, have <laughs> are being paid a decent amount. But, you know, it's your mm-hmm. job, it's your legacy, all of those things online. You still have to face the the media every single week, probably twice before a game yeah. and after a game. Yeah. Like, do you think there may be a part of that as well that, that we just we, we just don't don't think about? That, that actually that... Imagine, imagine in our work... Before yeah. each day, being interviewed by someone, and then like imagine having an absolute mayor at work, and then then having a room full of people asking us questions about why we had that mayor. Are we considering our position? Have I, have we spoken to our boss? Um, have they spoken yeah, think, to us? Have have we lost our team's confidence? I, I think there's a, that's a slightly false equivalent because it, for me, it's like. The, the players go through the same thing as well. So if the player falls over the ball and um, 
and uh, someone picks it up and kicks it in the net, they're going to have to go and stand in front of the media at the end and they say, oh, shouldn't really fallen over there, should you? And they've got to take it on the chin as well. And they're much mm. younger, inexperienced. And of course, they get media training to some extent. Mm. But um, I, I imagine it's hard. There are people that are more gracious than others. Yeah, there are, they, 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 and they always have been. I'm not a big fan of the manager, or uh, what I like to call um, um, the pulling the Allardyce, where you yeah. get absolutely tanked, and then you have a laugh with the media afterwards. I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> yeah. a fan of that. I prefer my manager yeah. to be supportive and say and defend the players. For me, what Klopp's doing at the minute is, I think he might be. I think he's a clever guy. Yeah, I didn't like his attitude in that at all. Yeah, but we're talking about him, and we're not talking about the terrible players. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> And that might be quite clever, actually. That might be quite clever. Yeah, okay. I think he might be dragging the opinions towards him um, as opposed... And his players get to go home conscience-free, apart from Mo Salah, who should have a guilty conscience from now until forever. Is that because he fell over and got a penalty? It's because... You know know how you don't like being touched? Yeah. Um, No, I really don't. That's officially a Salah now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, because because I touched I touched you in a very similar way to, to which um, he was touching that match, um, and it's perfectly legal before anybody caught, you know sends us a message. Um, and he went down, and and I actually what I started to do was do a little bit of an inventory in my mind of thinking actually yeah he is very soft when it comes to stuff like that. He's an incredible player, but it just seems like this is so invasive and creeping listen, into the game. It's listen, rubbish. Listen. That, mm. for me, is an issue for the lawmakers, not those that are playing the game. I think this is one of the, the interesting things. When we speak oh, yeah. to, when we speak to um, probably going back to speaking to one of the professors of philosophy we've spoken to before in our previous podcast, um, I think that's something that it's worth pushing into a little bit more, that the difference between the rules of the game and the spirit of the game. And, and, and mm. in professional sport, is there such a thing as the spirit of the game? Because... If you do something which is abominable, uh, what's the word? Abominable. <laughs> that is one syllable at a time, my friend. Abominable. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you do something that that most supporters would look at and think, oh, that just doesn't sit right, and it, if it's against the spirit of the game, but it's completely within the rules of the game, mm. then actually, should we blame that player or not? Can, you know, I, I think, or should I think we blame the, the rule makers? I think the difference comes in the kind of player. Now, this might be a bit hypocritical or be a double standard, but I feel like if someone's bang average then and they throw themselves to the floor and the referee gets taken in by it, I kind of let that go. Mm. Um, you won't see Ibrahimovic throwing himself to the floor. You won't see Leo Messi throwing himself to the floor. You don't see Cristiano Ronaldo. I, I feel like if you want to move into that top echelon, that's the. This is the Grealish problem. This is the Grealish problem. Like I think Grealish is one of the most talented players in the Premiership. Hmm. Fact. But he will never ever be anyone that I desire to move to my club, or I think should be given that kind of um, status on 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 the very top stage. Like, I can't imagine him. Or maybe, well, maybe he'd do very well in the Champions League. I, I'm not sure, but. Um, yeah. He won't ever be seen as anything other than a bit of a shyster that yeah. has loads of loads of potential, but doesn't ever quite meet it until he just has a bit more integrity about him. Yeah, fair that's enough. where I come from with it. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. But I, I, for me, I think ultimately, if the laws don't reflect the spirit of the game, then it's an issue for the lawmakers. Well, and, and, and you always I've have someone to... that will that will that will fill 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 the gaps. So Salah is doing it. Grealish is doing it, and yeah, we don't like them, and yes, we don't like it, but it, it works within the laws. Um, it, it, what's really interesting is how much is the degrees in which we don't like it. Uh, and you might be different yeah. to me, Stu, but I hate it when he's doing it for Villa, but I won't mind uh-huh. it if he's doing it for England. Well, that's just your good old-fashioned double standard, right? There, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> should we talk to Juice? Yeah, let's talk. Before we talk to Juice, I just, I just want to say one other thing. Um, um, I've got a bit of a bombshell for you, if you don't mind. I am ready. So, um, I've been talking to our favourite philosopher, Mr. Benjamin Ferguson. Oh, not not Big Benny F. Benji Ferg Ferg, as I call him. <laughs> we can't say that because he's an actual professor, mate. He is a professor and he know he's forgotten more than we know. Um, yeah. So, okay. But I was 
kind of proposing to him certain things that we um, we'd like um, to do on the on on this podcast. Um, I want to have an extended conversation with him about VAR. And I think Absolutely. he'll be up for that. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's interesting philosophically because it, as an American, he finds that fascinating that there is like inbuilt kind of like justice systems that are completely unjust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also he's going to crop up in a series of kind of um, sound bites, um, little little gobbits, if you want, of um, of uh, philosophy in which he's going to tackle such things as how does justice work in football mm. are players wages moral how yeah. does football mirror society and is football anti-intellectual those kinds of questions um but that's all to come in the future so you know it's he's he's our favorite philosopher isn't he would you say i, I think he is because um he is he the entertains most, us well yeah he's the most gentle of the philosophers we've spoken to in rephrasing the questions that we ask him yeah Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, no. He very much when we, you know we've always spoken about nappy wearing. He very much, very gently rips the sides off, and before you've even blinked, he's replaced it, and the piss sodden material is gone, and you don't even know. So that's an analogy. You've got you've got that's a wonderful way with words. You're a lyricist. Well, in my spare in my spare time. So can we just just, just as we a, move on a to, reminder? To, to just just before we move on, um, we were talking about Man City yeah. at the top of the table. Do you want to just break down the table a little bit of some of the movement that's occurred? Well, I think we're beginning to see the the bottom three are in, in real dire straits. Mm. Where there's still a lot of mutability at the top below Man City, I mm-hmm. think There's three leagues, aren't there? Man City have got to throw Man City have got to throw this away really at this stage. But which, Five which, which, points to clear be of, fair, of Man United with a game in hand. If I if I was if I was second, third or fourth, I would be thinking Man City's beginning of their season was dreadful. Mm. So that might still come about. Yeah, I, surprise package for me is mm. West Ham. Um, I think they're doing particularly well. Um, Do you think they're going to cling on to that form? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. However, it is really dependent on the teams below them finding a bit of a run of consistency. So yeah, yeah. Everton, I think, are going to struggle for that level of consistency. Um, yeah. Tottenham could do that. You just know that they've got their capability to do that. Aston Villa... Are... Go on. Yeah. What were you going to say about Tottenham? I, 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 for me, Tottenham are going to win more. They, they're going to win more than they, they draw and lose. Like I, Tottenham, are, Tottenham can tuck away a team by a good couple of goals yeah. very easily on a Saturday. You know, it's... Is, is, is Tottenham being eighth a... Uh, with two, with probably the best strike partnership in the world, is that an indictment really? on the rest of the team? Oh wow! Um, I think it's a big claim to say it's the best strike partnership in the world. It is a big claim, and I'm, and I'm willing to stand by it. But yeah, no, I think I think that's fine. Like I think I think I'm the son in this, so I think <laughs> it's a bit, a bit like you and me. I think I think you could talk into a microphone for over an hour, and it would be okay. I think were I to do that quite quickly, there'd be nurses from the NHS calling round to to yeah, wh- yeah. wheel me away and put something in my mouth so I don't bite my tongue. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think I think going I think going down, looking at who's below, Aston Villa and Leeds are both fairly inconsistent actually at the moment in terms of their results. They're, it's they interesting because I think going to be. I think that between Aston Villa and Leeds, what you're going to have is, I think both of them Villa. I think Villa have done really well this season. Mm, absolutely. I think they're both going to go on a, a mini streak. Mm. And I think you will see one or both of them rising to fifth and sixth, something like that. And then and then it will be about holding your nerve. Yeah. And I think that maybe experience might tell in that moment. That's why West Ham will fall away. Yeah. Because I think, you know, Spurs have been there, they've done it. And then and, I, and, and, I, I, mm. and then we all just laugh at Arsenal, um, who are sat below that. Oh. Um, and then, so as you go down, there's this extra sort of strange mini league from 29 points down, sort of Southampton down to Burnley. But then you drop off a cliff edge from Burnley on 23 yeah. points. You've got Fulham on 15. And yeah. Yeah. for teams that are at the lower end of the table in the Premiership, points are so hard to come by. And So let's contextualise this. Yeah. Let's contextualise this. So on Saturday, what we have is Leicester against Liverpool. Yeah. It's a big game, obviously. Yeah, like Liverpool absolutely. must must win. I don't think that's that's yeah. too harsh to say. Massive game, Palace against Burnley. Burnley win that, and Fulham don't get a result. Then, then that's that's too much, isn't it? 
Well, that's yeah, too, that's too much. You're, you're looking you're looking at an eleven point gap at that point, yeah. um, which which is significant because getting eleven points on your on its own in the Premiership when you're struggling for a point anyway is difficult. Mm. But doing that mm. in the absence of those above you picking up points mm. here and there is really difficult. As well, so it's not at the moment that that sort of that eight point gap isn't an eight point gap because Burnley will pick up a score here or there. Yeah, Newcastle, yeah. remarkably, will pick up a score here or there. <laughs> <laughs> After our diatribe against them that other week, they went and yeah. <laughs> went and won a game. Um, yeah. But again, I'm, I'm happy and with that. And then you've got um, you've got Man City against Spurs, which you can't really look past Man City no, for that. No. And then you've got a really tantalising game in Brighton against Villa, which Brighton have been on good form lately, but I still would fancy Villa to, to, um, to win that one. For me, it's got draw written all over it. But um, that's, that's our, just our gut feelings. And that we're mm. we're sort of with with absolutely no evidence and sort of very little um, preparation or thought. Um, Is it? I have less than no evidence. Yeah, yeah. Because even my gut feeling tends to be wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and laboured. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, right. Because um, you were you were singing Sheffield United's praises. Um, but anyway, that's fine. Um, I put a tenner on them getting out of it. <laughs> well, that would be worth quite a bit if they manage it, but they won't. Yeah, um, they will. Yeah. If. If there was somebody who embodied the complete opposite of what this last 15 minutes has represented, I think it's a man called Yus van der Leij. Those of you who haven't listened to our first uh, part one with you, um, I recommend you pause here, go back to part one and uh, listen to that. Um, but it'd be good for you just to briefly introduce himself once again. My name is uh, Joost van der Leij and as a philosopher of statistics, I am helping football clubs uh, find uh, the right players for them uh, using uh, data scouting. So Joost last week was... Um, really helpful in terms of nailing down the difference between a statistical approach. His his philosophy is all around that um, statistical models, feedback loops, you know, all those things. And um, my favourite thing that, that came up in that conversation was when we asked him, um, you've got £15 million as a premiership chairman to buy a midfielder. Who who should we going to buy? Who should we be going on to buy? He just um, for five minutes spoke to us about why that question was completely wrong, and ended up concluding that the best thing to do would be to buy a Belgian club. <laughs> yeah, and, and 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 I believed him at the end to the point where I I started thinking about going to do that, then realised <laughs> I've got a shortage of fifteen million pounds. Um, but um, that's definitely one of the first things I would do if I. If I did that, but one of the things that helps us um, know and and sort of get to get to know Eust a little bit more, um, and a, a scenario of that was particularly um, one of the things he spoke about to me in our initial conversation was about Portugal mm-hmm. in Euro two thousand sixteen, and yeah. everybody Portugal versus France, everybody had their money on France to win. They had a team full of other superstars there. Um, their route to the the final was um, they they played in much more confident and strong style, um, but actually used and used system that he's put together predicted that Portugal would win, and one of the things that came up was the fact that that Portugal would win um, in and, and their percentages um, the chances of them ring, winning were higher if Ronaldo didn't play remarkably. Um, mm. And that really fascinated me. So I wanted to ask him a little bit more about that. So I asked him, you know, you predicted that Portugal would win the 2016 Euro finals. How did you come to that conclusion philosophically, systematically? How did you get to that point? So with Bayesian statistics, the first thing you do is build a Bayesian model that will predict uh, the future. And during the European Championships of 2016, I uh, built uh, first a Bayesian model for players and unlike all other football statistics we don't look at uh, what players do, we look at actually what kind of results are uh, established uh, on this pitch, Uh, positive results, negative results and then we reverse engineer and uh, calculate which player contributed to those results. 
and then it's very easy uh, if you contribute more to positive results than negative results we find you a better player and if you uh, uh, contribute more to negative results on the pitch than positive results we don't like you that much um, and then we have a uh, Bayesian model uh, that yeah, predicts yeah. the match outcomes and it uses as input all the data from the players so from all uh, 22 players on the pitch uh, we uh, have the uh, Bayesian model player model and the outcome of that player model we put into the match model and then it calculates uh, which team is most likely to uh, uh, win the match and uh, yeah, what really got me going in 2016 was the fact that uh, in the uh, final uh, France versus Portugal the, my model said that Portugal was more likely to win than uh, France, uh, while France was uh, by far the uh, team to beat. Um, and because we can do the whole uh, Bayesian model in real time, when uh, after 20 minutes uh, Ronaldo was uh, substituted, uh, the model actually predicted that the chance of uh, Portugal winning uh, was increased. Uh, Ronaldo, great player, but he did not play that well during the 2016 European uh, championship so for me that really made an impression to me and then I uh, uh, that was basically the, the start sign to uh, get into the field uh, of uh, football are we looking behind the curtain and seeing <laughs> the Wizard of Oz it's, 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 it's interesting it's, it's incredible really when you think about it so I think the thing for me is that that one of the things that you and I have spoken about, um, even tonight, just before we came on the podcast, was um, credulity and incredulity, and and how <laughs> um, credulous people can sometimes frustrate us. Um, yeah. that, that there's a sense of no, no, you need to be incredulous, you need to you need to be sceptical, you need to think these things through, and and I think both of us like to think that we are incredulous people rather than credulous people. But I think when it comes to football, I don't want to speak for mm. you. I'm purposefully credulous at times. And I can hear what Eustace is saying. And I can appreciate the, the beauty in some ways of this statistical model that is right more times than it's not. Because it's, it's just it's, it's mathematics. It's, it's, it's modelling. It's, it's chances. It's statistics. It's, it's opportunities. It's, it's, you know, and over time it will be proved right more and more with occasional outliers mm. here or there. But my love for the outliers and that sort of desire for the magic and the fact that anything could potentially happen, which obviously these models still allow for, makes me almost want to put the curtain back and pretend that I never looked behind it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think... Um... I know what you mean. Like, I know when I open my mouth or when I think something and I know I'm purposefully lying to myself um, because it's wishful thinking. Um, this is why I find this concept so alien to me, this idea of impassionate, objective truth mm. within within football. Um, even if it sounds counterintuitive, um, it's it's kind of scary. And, and I guess philosophically, it might lean towards... Um, a de-romanticizing of the game and almost enjoying being wrong at times. I don't know. It's it's complicated. I've never looked at football like this before ever. So one of the things that that it puts me in mind of is, do you ever play those in in you know moments of absolute supreme boredom? But back when we used to have desktop computers, um, you used to have like that card game Hearts, where you'd play against the computer, oh, and if yeah. you put the difficulty on high. It, one of the things mm. that happened is it basically made you have the wrong cards like so mm. it, it like it, it it the game was rigged against you like mathematically it was almost impossible to win and it was like yeah. it also made me think of um playing chess against a grandmaster like they could yeah. not only are they going to tell you that they're going to win but they will tell you in how many moves and and there's nothing you can do that, that they've worked that out already there, there's something quite horrible i think um from the romantic perspective when you apply that to football and i think for a lot of our yeah. fans 
football is is linked inextricably with romanticism um mm-hmm. but actually there is this sort of statistical underpinning you know is it is it as scripted in some ways as Eustace is making out well <sighs> If it wasn't, he wouldn't have a job, would he? No, no it's a fair shout. It's a fair yeah, shout. Yeah, I... and so I think one thing that's interesting is that these kind of data analysts, and um, he's he's a very special kind of one. He's very, very specific and very unique. But I'm seeing more and more, and it's interesting because I made a quite flippant comment the other day to you on, 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 on this where I said, well, maybe in the future teams will employ more people like him. Um and I've been actually looking out, and I, I can see now that um, <laughs> that they're everywhere. Yeah, they're absolutely yeah. everywhere. And, and they're looking whether it's scouting or whether it's analysing retrospectively or analysing the f- future fixtures or analysing that kind of um, how very specific sets of players will take on the other very specific set of players in that one circumstance. Yeah. I think the age of the best eleven is dying, yeah. and I think we're moving towards a more American kind of culture of. We've got a squad of twenty-five that we will utilize in very specific ways. Yeah, I, I think I think that's where it's going as well. And so, so like yeah. people like Eust are being paid to go into clubs, whereas people like mm-hmm. you and I are, are, are like we're being paid to stay we're, away. Well, we're we're, <laughs> pay, we're paying our own money to go and watch the teams. I, 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 yeah, I need yeah. to go. Have I found my shoes? I've lost my shoes. I'll just yeah. go without them. Here's my forty-five quid. <laughs> Here we go. It's partially it's yeah. partially blocked, but it's okay. I, I can see past the stanchion. See what's the irony here is that you're just doing your real voice now, <laughs> <laughs> not your posh radio voice, <laughs> the hospital voice. Um, yeah. The the other thing that like I was I was quite interested in 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 previous weeks we've spoken a little bit about strong link and weak link sports, um, and so yeah. sort of going down the rabbit hole a little bit further. Um, I wanted to to find out what use um, sort of impression was around the difference between a weak link sport sport and a strong link sport. And just just briefly, a, a weak link sport is basically a sport where to improve a team, the best thing that you mm. can do is improve the weakest players, um, so that actually if the, if the weakest players get better, your chances of winning are higher. So um, football is generally considered to be a weak link sport it makes more sense to improve the weaker players um, from your team because actually in terms of the amount of goal chances that are available in a game, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why. Whereas a game like basketball, for example, is a strong link sport because there's so many opportunities to score because it's a smaller amount of people on the team. It's better to spend all of your money and your resources on one amazing player. So it's better to buy Michael Jordan and have four players who are dross. Um, But you've got Michael Jordan who will score all of your points and probably defend as well. Um, and so yeah. I asked I asked Eust, um, you know, basketball is a strong link sport where it makes sense to spend more on a single superstar, yet football is considered to be a weak link sport where it seems to increase chances of success if you strengthen from your weakest player up. To what extent do you agree with that, Eust? So Some people think mm-hmm. of basketball as a strong link sport and uh, football as a weak link sport in the sense that basketball you can improve the team by just hiring one superstar. And uh, in football, it's better to improve the weakest link. But um, I thought about it and I don't agree with it. The reason is, is that when we use our uh, Bayesian statistics to look at teams, every team uh, has uh, one or two players playing that uh, are the weakest link. That's, of course, uh, by definition the case, but they're actually uh, terrible players according to our uh, uh, statistics. We have a system we call the FBM Football Behavior Management uh, Score, and it's a number between 0 and 10, uh, 10 being the best player. Uh, we never have seen a 10. Uh, Messi and stuff, they are all 9 point something uh, players. And, but you can also see that even the top teams, they do put people on the pitch who score a 1 or a 2 and are quite... Uh, uh, bad players in the sense that they contribute a lot to negative results on the pitch. And, and we think that, of course, you will improve the team if you replace those players. Uh, nevertheless, um, they still function. Yeah? If, even in uh, Manchester City, there are a couple of players who score very low uh, in our base in statistics. Uh, or in Liverpool, uh, or all the top teams. 
So that shows that uh, even weak players can still uh, be part of the team without uh, the team uh, uh, performing badly. Of course, if you have too many bad players, that is going to be an issue. Um, but we can show that actually it doesn't matter whether you improve the, uh, the weakest player and you may replace him, substitute him with a better player, or whether you uh, uh, replace an average player with a superstar player. As long as the, uh, the, the, basically the probabilities that they will uh, contribute to the team increase in the same level, it's highly likely that the team will improve uh, as uh, good as that. And so, while, and so to uh, make it clear, while you can improve the team, definitely, we can actually see at uh, starting 11s whether the managers actually look at data or not at all. Um, but in football, you can really improve the team by improving any player. So it doesn't matter whether you're improving a bad player or a um, uh, average player or a superstar player. If you put in a better player, then it's highly likely the team will perform better. Of course, the, 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 if, you, if you replace a bad player with a superstar player, then the uh, jump in the probabilities is such a big step that the team will uh, move ahead uh, Oh, also with a much bigger step. But in reality, uh, that is uh, very hard to do. Um, but if you would improve the bad player in the same uh, way uh, as, uh, as I say, that you add 10 percentages, 10 percentage points to the probability of uh, finishing, uh, then it doesn't matter if you improve that for a superstar or a bad player or an average player. One of the things that, that you and I have, there's a particular player that, that you and I um, have spoken about quite a bit. Um, they play for Leeds United and he's mm. there, at the moment he's their left back. Um, uh, he's often played when other players are injured and so he's brought in somewhere along the left wing. Um, he's called Alioski. You're talking about this, like uh, who would live in a house like this? <laughs> You're talking about it, like uh, yeah, carry on. It's, yeah, you could just say Alioski. Go on. All right. Well, we'll start again. Right. There's a player who plays for Leeds called Alioski, who plays left back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And who would play? no? He he basically like for me he screams lower league footballer. Like he 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 doesn't seem to be that fast. What, literally? He, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be that good at thinking on his feet. He quite often seems to leave his winger behind um, the man that he's marking, and he's desperately trying to get back again. He sometimes seems to make rash decisions, but looking and trying to think a little bit more like used. I'm realizing these are all sorts of guts feelings because when you actually look at quite a lot of the success that Leeds United have, quite often it comes down that left wing. Quite often he's up against some of the top wingers who are kept relatively quiet, mainly because of the whole team effort, the way Leeds sort of hunt in packs. But actually he contributes to good actions in the game, probably more than negative actions. And that's a really interesting way of looking at a footballer. It's like, do they contribute more to the good than they do to the bad? I really mm. wanted him to name who's the ones and the twos in Man City. I really wanted him to know because yeah. I was desperately trying to think. I was like, Zinchenko? Could it be him? Uh, Stones, maybe? I don't know. Like, I mean, who? Mm, not sure it's Stones. No, I, I was like, not lately. Anyway. No, I, like, who? Who could be a one or a two? For me, a one or a two has to sit around a defender, surely, because you know, they're, they're, when they a defender makes a mistake, they're you know, it's 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 much more cataclysmic, isn't it? Than when in, well, you say that, but it, I always think it's linking players that stand out when they're. Doing really mm. badly, and their their passes just aren't. Their pass completion is terrible, yeah. and yeah, and they're running around like headless chickens. So, right, like Jorginho for yeah. uh, for uh, for Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, he went from being fantastic to being utter dross. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, he he went he went from a seven or eight to to a one or a two. Um, he's kind of up to about three or four at the minute. Is that the is that the the stew the stew modeling system? Stew meter. Oh, the yeah. stew meter. 
what are the what are the yeah? T- give me a player, and I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a score. Yeah, okay, I'll give you a player. I want you to give me a score, and then I want you to tell me about the categories that you're scoring them on. Um, yeah. it, can it be any player from any time? Uh, if you want to, I, I don't know. Just off the top of my head, Kevin Davis in his prime. Um, he's a solid. <laughs> See, what I always do is I always think about. I always make it relative. I always think. I, I my and my relative measure in my axes are um, expectation to reality, and so he's right up there in the top right hand corner of my grid where, um, where he just confounds all expectation. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so he's a he's a he's a solid nine. You are a born mathematician, aren't you? You're, you're a lyrical mathematician. Nine. Yeah. Nine. Is it? Is it out of ten? I, why are you asking me? It's your system. It's your system. <laughs> um, Kevin Davis. <laughs> what do you reckon he's up to now? Do you reckon get him on the podcast? I. I would be up. less than use, useless. I, I. I imagine he's a he's a bouncer. I'd just be I'd just be <laughs> screaming into the microphone every time he opened his mouth. Yeah. Kevin Davis. You'd be asking. It. You'd be asking him to play on Tuesday nights, Kevin. wouldn't you? Kevin. Oh, I'd love to, I'd love to play five side football with Kevin Davis. He, he, you wouldn't get a look in. He, he, you'd you'd look at him, and he's probably going to be. You're a very small man, if you don't mind me saying. You know, you're 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 emasculatingly small. <laughs> um, and I guarantee that he would be an inch or two bigger than you. Or no, may, may actually, maybe would he? Probably about the same size. Actually, he's not quite as squat as you. If you don't mind me using that word. <laughs> Do I have any um, choice? Because you've already thrown it out there. <laughs> Squat. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, you're like when I think about your body shape, I just think about a rectangle. <laughs> um, that's it. Just yeah, uh, which is fair enough because I'm a cycle. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, All right. But Kevin um, Davis was like well over six foot. Come on. No, he wasn't. How did he not. win so many headers? He jumped highly. Oh. <laughs> right, well, um, we, and on that, we've got um, a couple more questions for Eust. <laughs> um, the second tier of English football, the championship, is a bit like a casino. British football, should we say, because there's Welsh teams that are in there as well. Um, the second tier of uh, the English and Welsh football is the championship. To be fair, he was bang on six feet. To be fair to you, mate. So, so, yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Just sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. no, no bang on six feet. So you are basically standing next to him. You would look like a non-holidayed umpalumpa <laughs> because you would be a colourless umpalumpa, <laughs> like an albino. <laughs> an albino umpalumpa. Oh. Yeah, he looks good now. Sorry, I'm just looking at him now. He, he was always really a handsome good. man. For a man who was in the mm. trenches, who would be elbowing people, who would be pushing them around, he looks more handsome now. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe he's had surgery. That, that's scurrilous. No, he's just he, he's filled out a little bit. He's filled out a little bit, and he looks um. He's he grown well good. into his face. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know, Kevin Davis, like a fine wine, only got better with age. Um, as a footballer, and obviously now in July twenty twenty. In July 2020, he set up KCD Management, a football agency. Um, so brilliant. I, I think, I think very soon some of the top players will be on his books mm. because everything he touches turns to gold, mm. and would have done for England if he'd only been given a chance. Yeah, well. well but we can, here we, we go can, again. We the fashionable it. people get played. <laughs> Defoe, Hesky, Hesky, <laughs> Hesky. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, listen. I've got a question for. We'll, we'll I've got come a question back to for you. Next week, we'll talk about Kevin Davis. Look, the championship is a bit like a casino. Is is what I said to him. Mm. Twenty four clubs. What a lovely mm. image. Yeah, a, a nice casino. Not not like one in Margate. You know, like I, I'll go to the casino no. in Margate. It's like, oh, love. Yeah, yeah. You get you get an STD test yeah, on the door. We don't pay out on the yeah. chips. Um. <laughs> I've not actually been to a casino in Margate, but I do know there is one there. Um, What's the best casino you've ever been to? Can I tell you something? And this won't surprise you. 
<laughs> um, I think you're the dullest man that's ever lived, so please surprise me. I, I have never been in a casino, and my sum total knowledge of casinos is based on Ocean's Eleven. I didn't even watch the sequels. Right, okay. No. Okay, good. Carry on. The the, the last question that, that we want you to answer is... It's mm. self ref. Was it Mars bars or Snickers? He because I've got a feeling he's a Mars bar man. I, you know what he screams to me. Topic. What does he scream to? Topic. In your nightmares. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, Lion Boost. Bar. Star Bar. Caramac. Aero. Dairy milk. Pure. Just straight in. Turkish delight. Oh. Fries. Mint cream. <laughs> Fries yeah. cream. I'm going to go with a uh, crunchy. Frenchy? Oh, crunchy. crunchy. Um, that was Freudian. You want to give him a Frenchy? Magic. <laughs> what oh, is no, it's that? Magic. <laughs> oh, I've lost it. Yeah, oh, no, my yeah. Lord. Right, that's censored. I'm going to bleep that. <laughs> I'm going to bleep that. If you're listening to me talking right now, that's been bleeped. And I just want to say, um, on behalf of everyone at the podcast, we're, um, uh, well, I say everyone, myself and Jim, um, we'd like to apologise for the racist, no! um, terrifyingly, the terrifyingly racist that slur is, that you just heard there. We will release a public document oh, that will um, that will basically mean that me and Jim are completely outside of any legal mitigation based around this. Because that's defamation of my own character. Anyway, well, I'm not the one using racial slurs on pub, on broadcast. That's material. outrageous. That is not <laughs> that is not what happened. I was simply trying to entertain um, four or five people that listen to this podcast with some mentions of chocolate they'll be aware of in their local corner shop. They did not come and will not come in the future because of you for this hideous racial slurring, this gaslighting. Of our of our listenership. So I asked Used. Um, mm. Our podcast is called The Outsiders. Oh yeah. Could you explain a little bit more about the insiders in football clubs and those who are classed as outsiders? That's a very clever question. If you don't mind me I don't that. mind you saying that. More of those sorts of things, I definitely don't mind coming out of your gobble. So personally, I find the. Uh name of the podcast, The Outsiders, uh, interestingly ambu- ambu- ambiguous um, in the sense that uh, that's also how uh, football uh, staff look as, looks at uh, people. Um, because the club themselves, most clubs, uh, they uh, uh, have their own people working for them and that they really consider them the insiders. But at the same time, you see that more and more clubs are actually hiring outside consultants who are the outsiders. And most of the time, to double-check their own work, there's a lot of confirmation bias going on within clubs. So most clubs, they will think, we're brilliant, we're geniuses, and uh, we figured it all out, and these are the best players. Uh, But they also are quite uncertain. The decision-making is very difficult within football clubs because the risks uh, are very big, hire a couple of wrong players or bad players and you literally uh, uh, risk the end of the club so small decisions uh, have huge consequences within clubs that's the reason why it's uh, very difficult and then most often they they nowadays they like to have a uh, outside confirmation uh, from outside consultants and those are the outsiders uh, within the club um, to basically say, ah, you, indeed, you are a genius and uh, you did very, very well. Of course, uh, that, that's confirmation bias that's only introducing more risk and uh, increasing the risk so, uh, or making the risk bigger. And so really smart clubs are actually uh, moving towards uh, the idea, which I think is philosophical, very important, that statistics has to shock people. If you only use statistics to... Uh, strengthen the viewpoint that you already have, then it's much more likely that you're falling for confirmation bias than actually using statistics in the right way. Only when uh, the statistics, uh, uh, I say, uh, vehemently disagrees with um, the current opinion, then statistics uh, becomes an important uh, tool within the club. 
And it doesn't mean that statistics is always right. Uh, there are many different sources within the football club. Uh, you have the live scouts, the video scouts, the data scouts. Uh, then there's the, uh, the financial people, the decision makers. And they all have an opi opinion um, on uh, the player to hire. And uh, they all use Bayesian uh, models, except they use unconscious Bayesian models that their brain produces. And that introduces the risk. Uh, so it's much better to actually also have a Bayesian model uh, mathematically uh, running uh, along, so you can double check those uh, intu intuitive um, uh, feelings about how probable it is that a player will become successful at the club with an actual mathematical model. Um, nevertheless, uh, many of those people who work within clubs have very good uh, Bayesian models inside their brain. Um, they see stuff that I find amazing. I'm, I'm, I am an outsider, literally in the sense that I'm an outside consultant being hired by clubs, but also because I don't really have a football background and a much more philosophy and statistical background. But sometimes when I present players, then uh, we also have a produce procedure where we use video scouts and uh, data scouts on our own before we present the player to the club so that we know uh, how they would feel. And then uh, I have had a, for instance, with Heracles, one of their, uh, their, of their, their head scout, we presented a striker and we said, no, we don't think that he should play as a striker, but as a winger. And then he said, okay, indeed, I don't like him as a striker, but now that you say that, that he could play as a winger, then you saw him basically uh, imagine or, or, or visualize how the match would go with uh, that player as a um, uh, winger. And then he said, yes, indeed, as a winger, I can see him uh, perform well for our team. And I find that amazing. That is a skill that I don't have. Uh, I have to rely on the numbers. Um, but really good scouts, uh, live scouts, uh, they can uh, see players play at one team and then inside their mind are able to transform them and put them into the team that they are uh, scouting for and then come up with amazing uh, decisions. And, but again... There is a uh, strong indication, this is also in psychiatry, but also in philosophy, it's called the Bayesian brain, that the brain is actually running predictive models uh, pretty much as uh, the way Bayesian models uh, work. Uh, and it's very important that you uh, uh, set up a measurement system within the club to discover which people within the club, the insiders, have the best uh, Bayesian model inside their head. So you can uh, put more weight to uh, their uh, input and less weight to the people who think they know uh, a lot about football but come up with the wrong predictions uh, for uh, how players will do. And then, of course, I think it's very important to uh, add a lot of outsiders as to that as well because the more sources all point towards the same direction, the less risk it is to hire the player. And the more disagreement there is between sources, the bigger the risk is. And it doesn't mean that you should not uh, hire the player if there's a lot of disagreement about the player, because uh, you can still have all kinds of reasons to hire the player. But at least the club has to be conscious that uh, they're taking more risk than uh, they would otherwise uh, would take. So we've consulted all four of our listeners, of which we are 50%. Yep. We are 50%. Um, yeah. And Jim, Jim's at twenty five percent himself. Five. Yeah, 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 yeah. We did have five, but um, the only way our listenership um, changes is when people die. Oh, so um, so someone died, so we're down to four, and we're three of those. That's incredible. And you know what's great? What you know what's a real coup? <laughs> you know what's a real coup? Now we're getting Fran on board. Yeah, he's going to go back up to five. I, so. I'm not entirely certain that Fran's going to listen all the way through. Uh Okay, but anyway, well, tell him it's kind of an obligation. We've consulted. Tell him just to just not listen to the bits that are racial that come out of your mouth. You need to stop on that, and we'll be okay. You need to stop on that. That's <laughs> not a line that we're going down. Um, <laughs> listen, <laughs> we've consulted. Yeah, as used to suggested, you know, the more people that um, uh, are in consensus as to whether or not we should record an episode next week mm. and carry on or mm. whether we should just pack it in jack it in yeah and the results yeah. have been unanimous yeah <laughs> well from the listenership 
of which we are 50%. Yeah, um, yeah. Only 50% think we should carry on, and it wasn't us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Actually, that's um, a good way of looking you, at it. Yeah, but do you know what I find really shocking? Other than just the language you've used today. <sighs> um, and and it, it's been it's as shocking as... Um, as Kevin Davies' managerial record at Southport when between October of 2017 and April of 2018, he only won 29% of, um, of matches. I think So it's something you have in common with him, the shocking out, outlay of, of your abilities. Oh, right. Okay, I thought you meant like that. I've only won 29% of the matches that I've managed in Southport. No. I think you'll find my percentages I find I find higher. his record. I find his record <laughs> shocking. As, as shocking as I find your language on today's podcast. Once again, um, <laughs> if you listen to this and <laughs> and you're offended, um, please um, go to the website and send emails. Uh, size uh, email is on there. Uh, it's pub- in the public domain. Um, and, and any legal kind of... Is that, the, um, is that the email address? Recourse. Is that the email address that Jim set up for us and I'm still not entirely certain how to access, even though he sent a yes. video... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, look to 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 bring us back yeah. to some level of normality. Um, I just yeah. want to extend a real thanks to Eust for the time that. I'm say you for me. Th- you Eust are so well. self conceited. It is unbelievable <laughs> the ego that's just dripping from your mic at the moment. No, so I want to thank. So obviously, go on. No, what do you mean? Obviously. No, I was going to say. Um, uh, uh, You've enraged me. There. Now there's, now there's three, <laughs> now there's three of us that do the podcast. Um, I feel like we need to kind of um, start to register Jim's um, existence with our, with our listeners. Um, he's obviously been, you know, incandescent with um, self pity and self loathing this week as an Arsenal supporter. <laughs> he's he's um, wandering the streets. He went. Largely, he went. Largely nude. He went for me. Yeah, he he went for me on on WhatsApp. He, did, he, he wasn't really happy did. with my comments really about did. Arsenal. Yeah, no. truth hurts. <laughs> Too shabby. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, he's he's yeah he's 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 a sickening creature at the minute. Um, he's trying his best, um, but his best as with Arsenal isn't good enough. So um, no, he's done well. He's done well so far. All right, well that's that's good. Thanks, thanks, Eust. Thanks, Eust. And thanks to thanks, to, Jim. To Eust, uh, Eust as well for for actually taking time out as as yeah. of his his busy schedule, doing lots of different things. We're really excited about the prospect of having a live um, conversation. I can't wait. That'll be videoed. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I tell you what, talking about video, mm-hmm. talking about video. No, you're not. You're not dropping another bombshell on us right now, are you? Uh, there's one oh, more bombshell coming because obviously Jim has turned into this mythic. <laughs> Jim has turned into this mythical creature that, frankly, people tune in just so we can talk about him. Um, next, he doesn't week, exist, does he? In reality, he, he's he's a um, manifestation of your personality. He, I've got a little puppet <laughs> with a face on and an Arsenal. Right? Top, no, no, Arsenal no, no, top. no, don't laugh, don't laugh. All right, it's a red sock, <laughs> and. Um, and what I do is I talk to it, and if I talk just in the right way, it just stands up right. Oh, <laughs> so the thing is, you've been going on this massive diet. He's got a little face. About... He's got a little face. Right, and he's got he's got little arms. Jim, I, I, hold on very tight. I have to apologise. I, I led you down a I led you down a path that you wanted to go down. We're doing a watch through. We're doing a watch along. Watch through. Walk through. With the actual gym, not this weird sock threesome. that you're talking about. We're doing a football threesome next week. Where we're going to be watching Arsenal against Leeds United, um, and we're going to be commentating and um, uh, gesticulating and gyrating and masticating throughout. Um, so that will be fun. We'll be doing that um, on Valentine's Day, so a special love edition of the the podcast. So that's going to be three of us and, that are and, deeply unpopular with our partners. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but that's happening, so there we go. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll be watching the football anyway, won't we? So we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll be tight with it. We'll be tight with it. Um, what are you doing for Valentine's Day anyway? It's none of your damn business. Oh really? I'm gonna go out. And <laughs> that is incredibly tasteless. That is tasteless. I'm not really. I'm going to be going out and buying my fine wife um, some fine wine and. Of course. Uh, Watching the football with you guys, <laughs> <laughs> so she can get pissed up in front of the TV watching some kind of costume. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, since we're since we're now dwelling solely in stereotypes, I think it's probably best yep. for us to say goodbye. Well, absolutely. Um, so thanks very much for listening. Thank you, Eust. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. Thanks for that. And um, thank you, Sai. Yeah. And um, I will... I want you. To, <laughs> I want you to uh, take care of yourself in this lockdown situation. Ho- hopefully, we're a few weeks away from um, from being locked out. What? Locked in? Locked up? Locked up? Oh, locked <laughs> down? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, it doesn't no. matter anyway because existentially no. we're all just hurtling <laughs> You're towards. All stuff, don't we? Take care of yourself, mate. Well, or, or, or don't. don't. Or don't. Or don't. It gives you that much stuff, really, aren't it? Flying through space, it's meat jammed onto bones. Yeah. For for a little bit. So, of time. until Valentine's Day. See you then. <laughs>